we are back. This is the crux of it, the end of season review. Quite an interesting season. Um, great to be back um, with most of the original cast, um, who I'll introduce in a minute. This is our review of the season. Um, yeah, after last season's fantastic promotion, obviously under John Askey, there was wide agreement all we had to do was stay in the National League and it would represent a successful and happy season. Excitement from August at the huge difference we discovered from playing in this higher echelon. No more competing against villages in Northamptonshire or side streets somewhere in a Bradford suburb. Instead, it was replaced with early visitors such as Oldham, Notts County, that was what we got promoted for. This was bringing real-sized crowds we'd almost forgotten existed and a plethora of other former football league clubs to appreciate our beautiful new stadium. We were tight defensively. We were mid-tabling ourselves. Everything was comparatively normal. Um, and then it happened. Our chairman, who up to that point had been respected amongst fans, fell out with manager John Askey, printed out his sacking. Uh, maybe there were two sides to the story, but ultimately it was a decision every single York City fan would never have made. Our 2022 hero, John Askey, was gone, leaving his team behind, and in came an unknown manager, which made the original decision even more unusual. The upshot of it, the upshot of it all was a chairman who literally, within a few months of arriving, became Mr Unpopular, combined with a car crash interview, albeit not quite on Prince Andrew's level. The exceedingly brave choice of an untested manager became one of the most memorably bad appointments in York City's 100-year history. David Webb managed to beat Maidstone, and that was about it. With Webb gone, Mikey Morton took the reins, at least temporarily. A local lad with a good heart and mixed results, but importantly, key wins versus Dorking, Yeovil, Chesterfield just about stopped a sliding city from going down. York fin finished 19th. Um, and so the season finished... I guess, where we hoped it would, with another roll of the dice in this fantastic league. And that, to me, is a real, real plus. But sadly, there's still a cold wind blowing behind the scenes. No successful ownership bids so far. Talk of struggles to meet wages and day-to-day -day costs. Who's our manager? Do we have a budget? The usual crux of it crew. Miners, Mark Debnam. Um, Debo, who sadly failed a late fitness test. We have Dan Tate. Um, fantastic York Hospital Ball, um, which to me is has its best series so far. Welcome, Dan. Thanks, Paul. Really nice introduction. Sorry, I couldn't find the uh, unmute button there. Sorry for this. No, it's okay. You, yeah, were deciding whether you. To, you were deciding whether to greet me or not. That's fine. Yeah, Jim Calverley in the house. Jim, Jim is always the welcome bridge between the fans and the supporters' trust. Um, so it's always great to have you here, Jim, and primarily a fan, right? Three-day weekend in not spoiling the boys, so yeah. Thanks <laughs> yeah, um, and we always value your contribution. Um, and finally, um, last but not least, heart on his sleeve, Ben Robinson, also um, fresh back from Notts County amongst the um, over 1,000, 1,400. Uh, great to have you with us, Ben. Cheers, Paul. Yeah, I'm sure we'll discuss many things coming up. <laughs> so it's good to be back with the, the crux of it. 
um, from what has been a very interesting season. Interesting is one word. Uh, and I love the, the first question of the night. I love this. It's sum the season up in one word. Um, in some ways, I may be glad Debo isn't here because we might be having to edit out um, some of <laughs> whatever word he's chosen. But we have asked Debo to try and provide a, a word. We have message, reached out to him. So um, that would be fantastic if that happens. Um, I love this question. If anyone listening as well um, wants to contribute with their word of the season, feel free. Um, I think um, I'll start with you, Ben. Sum up the word. Sum up the season in one word. I think I'd go frustrating, uh, to be honest. I think if, if, if the off-field stuff hadn't have happened, we'd have probably all have gone, yeah, it's been a poor season. But you know what? Third season back, um, we can look to kind of build it. And I think that was a key last season before we even got to those playoffs kind of thing on the Rasky about midway through. A lot of us were saying the National League North. If we just finish with something positive to build on for next season, we'll happily, you know, go for the National League North. I felt like that applied this season again. Of, yeah, it could have been a poor season, but as long as towards the end we were looking almost like what Gates had have done, looking pretty comfortable, like they can build on something for next season, we'd all be pretty happy. But what's happened in the end is just all Glenn Henderson had to do was nothing. He just had to keep the club running day to day not really have to touch it, bring in a few more commercial partners, you know, just keep it kind of ticking over a little bit, all right? He didn't have to do anything major this season. And then he made the hugely unpopular decision, um, which is such a shame because ASCII turned this club around essentially single-handedly um, on the pitch. And you can see what happened when we appointed David Webb. Like Mike Morton, in terms of him as a person, Jury's out on whether he could take us forward as a football manager. Um, but I am just frustrated with what should have been just a nice, easy season back in the National League. No, uh, back in the National League. Nice and easy through. Finish mid-table. It turned out to be a season full of stress, whether that be on the pitch or off it, with not knowing if we finish the season. I think that's the way I describe it. And it now feels like a point of, Whereas last year it was open, um, this year it's more, where do we go now with it? Yeah, um, totally agree. Jim, one word to describe the season? Um, I think, uh, and I've got to choose my words carefully, off the field's been a, a little bit erratic, much more erratic than I would have liked. Um, on the pitch, performances have been erratic. We've had some great results. We've had some rubbish results. We've had some kind of fair middling ones. We've never... The whole club has not really hit its stride, is what I feel like. It's been great highs, terrible lows, bits in between. But um, yeah, I feel like it's been a very erratic season. Really, I think we would have all just liked a normal club in the normal, in a in a normal, nice. Well, we all said a nice, safe, uh, mid-table finish. Um, so yeah, erratic is the one that I'm going for. I thought <laughs> for a minute I thought that's a lot of words, but yeah. Um <laughs> yeah, Dan, give us a word. Um turbulent. I think <clears throat> just um similarly to Ben really, I I think that so much um 
with, with Glenn Henderson, I, I felt like he just needed to use a bit of common sense, really. Um, you know, he'd taken over from someone who uh, many supporters wanted rid of for, for many years. So by the very nature of coming in after that person, it was all kind of set up with one promotion. Um, you know, the support has, uh, has carried on, to be fair, being absolutely fantastic this season, both home and away. But that, that was building, you know, there, there was this kind of um, this kind of idea that that we built a bit of momentum. We had the right manager in charge of, of us, you know. And I think even when we did the crux of it at the start of the season, we were all sort of saying, you know, I think a few of us were a bit optimistic, but we were saying, really, if we stay up, happy days. You know what I mean? Let's just, let's just have a bit of foundations built for the future. We've got the right man in charge. We all back him. And then obviously, it, it feels like about four seasons in one. I don't know what anyone else thinks, but it feels like there's been that many emotions of up and down and um, and, and fair play to Mikey Morton in the end. You know, he, he's clearly got the club at heart. We needed those results. And I think even the fact he's already started talking about getting some of the players in for contract talks next week, you know, I think that's really positive because my worry is that we just sort of stagnate over the summer and then we're about four or five weeks behind every other club. Um, so I'm pleased that Mikey's sort of taking initiative with that. And um, whilst Glenn Henderson's there, I think Mikey's a good person to sort of steady the ship. Yeah, I, I kind of went similar lines I, to turbulent. I crossed out chaos um, and I went with uncertainty because I think like the whole, everything that's happened at each stage of the season, as fans, we've felt kind of almost like out of control. It's uncertain. We've, we've got a new manager we don't know anything about. And then we're not sure what's going to happen with the ownership, um, rumours of... Um, maybe points deduction, or, you know, rumours of administration. Um, but then the uncertainty kind of on the pitch, you know, especially the time when we've got Mikey Morton, who's temporary, is he going to stay? And I just think that's kind of ran through what, like you said, could have could have been quite a, a, a kind of more grounded, more solid season. Um, and that uncertainty you know, stays right now when we're thinking, okay, you know, when we're coming into the close season and we're thinking, well, you know, what do we have a budget? What kind of budget? What happens if we get new owners? Where will we get new owners? So many questions, more questions than than answers, really, I think. Um, they had um nine days ago we had Clubman of the Year, um, which went to Ollie Dyson, um, and they combined sportsmanship effort on the field of play and ability um and it's always an interesting one because it's 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 always like about kind of who is being our most respected player through the season not necessarily um the most talented um but ollie dyson doing a fantastic job of getting it um but when you look at our players through the season it's been so odd because the start of the season like our defense was good. Cooigan and Sanders were um keeping a, a lot of like clean sheets or, or just one conceded. Um Piber stood out, Ethan Ross, players that then in the second half of the season, ironically, seemed to go downhill. And it was more people like Fallafield, Dyson, obviously Shaq Ford coming in, who started getting more of the plaudits. Um Dan, if you had to give like your player of the season, um, where would you go? 
Yeah, I, I didn't have any complaints with Ollie Dyson. I, I think in terms of how much he's improved over the time he's been at the club, I think no one could argue that he's got better and better. Um, he's been, you know, even last season when he had to fill in at right back, he almost gives 100%. I can see why managers really like Ollie Dyson. I didn't actually vote on it, to be honest. Um, I think if I was going to vote, I might have voted for John Lewis. Although he has some games where he misses chances and stuff like that, I just think we miss him so much when he doesn't play. I think like he's that focal point, he holds it up, he can get kicked from pillar to post. He's always occupies the two centre-halves of the opposition, and I think even when he's not playing particularly well, he, he still puts a shift in. Uh, but then you look down the list, like you said, like where's the consistency with, with any of them? You know, In spells, like, there's some, been some really good performances, but I don't think many could hand on heart say they've been consistent over the full season and there was a few shouts for Mitch Hancock's I think Mitch has you know had had another good season maybe not scored as many goals as he did last time um but yeah I'm looking looking down our squad list and not seeing many people that, that have, have been consistently good over the season Salafield I thought was re- really good towards the end of the, of the campaign but you look at someone like Alex Hurst I think Alex Hurst was really good in pre-season in August and September then dropped his form dropped Dan Pibus I felt was was on good form until he got his contract and then his form dropped off. And really, if you're looking for a player of the year, you're looking at someone who's been consistently good across the season. And really, Ollie Dyson was probably the only one who you could say more games than not, he play, he plays pretty well. Yeah, I was split as well. Right to the final moment of voting, I was split between uh, John Lewis and, and Dyson. Um, ben, who did you... Who did you vote for and why? Uh, well, unlike Dan, I actually exercised my right to vote um, and I went for John Lewis in the end. Um, don't disagree with Dolly Dyson at all. I find, I think he's done fanta- uh, fantastic. But yeah, I just felt for John Lewis. He's, he's been professional. He's got the goals when we've needed to. You know, look at Yeovil at home um, and I think he's just led the line really well um, I think when you compare it to other parts of the pitch across the season like defensively very unsettled you know you think about if, if I was to say to you you know what was our sort of starting back five and then compared to starting back five now and how many changes there's been consistently through injuries which is fine and everything but you know you, know, you go down the list of players like Dan was saying and there's so many players that we've had at the start of the season that not even like they've disappeared towards the end, they've just never been involved, like so-called bigger-named players that we've signed to potentially make an impact this season. Scott Borden was gone by September. Luke James, I think he ended up on loan at Scunthorpe, which I'm right in thinking, oh, was the rumours that he was going there. Um, there was Gus Mafuta, who only recently has appeared, and yes, he was injured, but I don't think he was good enough at the start of the season. There was um, Scott Burgess, you know, he was shirt number 10. He sort of looked down at our shirt numbers and it, it just seems like you say this. I agree with Dan, to be fair. I think if you're looking at an actual performance on the pitch, Ollie Dyson's probably the one that could argue's had more better games than not. Um, but I feel like it's been, those that have played consistently, it's been six out of 10 all season. Um, so, yeah, I, I wouldn't have had any agreements today. I agree totally with Dan. Uh, you know, Ollie Dyson, Lionel John Lewis, Mitch Hancock's, um, I think Ethan Ross would have been up there if he played all season as well. Um, but otherwise, I don't think you can really name anyone else um, bar those four. 
Um, but hey ho, at least he's not Sean Newton winning it for the fourth time. <laughs> yeah, that that does baffle me, kind of, kind of look at looking back. But but I think it's that thing, isn't it? It's about who is kind of who is most representing the club. And you always talk when when the players talk about like training and being around the club, they always talk about Dyson as being like the like the most talented and the, like the best kind of footballer and attitude. So I get it. I get it. Jim, who did who did you go for? I like the fact that you guys are all coming out in favour of Dyson. Now Debo's not here. Like, left me, hung me out to drive in the last podcast, asking him what, who his best player was. Yeah, cheers for the support last week. Um, I, I agree. I think player of the season, I think Dyson deserves it. I think, in you know, I'm not his biggest fan, but because I, I don't think he's... I don't think he's ever going to, you know, set the league alight. But I think for us this season, he has been consistently our better player. You know, he had a flying start to the season. Um, I thought he dipped kind of around Christmas time, January time, but then he's had a really strong finish as well. So I think if, if you're looking at on the pitch performance, I don't think we, you can really get past um, Dyson for for what he's put in. I always struggle a little bit with the. With the Billy Fenton trophy, though, because to me it's not about that. It's not about on-pitch performance. It's a clubman of the year. It's about a lot more off it, and I, and I do think that um, uh, John Lewis has, has been a real captain this season. To be fair, he's really turned up as a captain as more than anything. Um, you know, just on Saturday we saw him guiding Shaq back to his own fans to celebrate. I think there's an angle where you can see Shaq goes off to the other far side of the ground and then John Lewis brings him back. I think he did great at representing the club and, and his team, teammates, um, against the FA, making sure he was signed up to, to making sure that they were protected when they're injured. Um, and just generally around the club, he's, you know, he's, he's the first to say hello to staff. He's the first to say hello to the kids. We've how many videos have we seen at the end of this season where uh, football players are ignoring kids. John Lewis isn't that guy. He does all of that. So that's why I voted for him. Um, I think, you know, a special mention for Miss Mitch Hancock, anybody that loves a, a, a fist shake after a goal is always going to get the fans going. But um, yeah, I, I split them up. I think player of the season for me is, is would be Dyson because I think he has been the most consistent um, throughout the season. But I think uh, Clubman of the Year me, I really struggle to look past John Lewis because I think he's given so much to us as a club. You know, he's 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 represented the um the players so well in what's not been an easy season. You know, it's not been an easy season at our club, but you know, that decision by the FA to allow contracts to be cancelled for anybody that stands up for that is that's a really big thing to do. So yeah, for me, Clubman of the Year really should be uh, John Lewis. Can I just say as well, uh, Paul, just before you move on, that I have spoke to Debo about Ollie Dyson recently. And he does think he's much improved from when we did the original <laughs> podcast earlier in the season and battered him. He, he does acknowledge that he's he's come on. Um, so, so I don't I think he, he thought he was player of the year. I think his player of the year was John Lewis. But um, but yeah, he, he does acknowledge that, that he has got some credit for Ollie now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I try to think back as to whether I knocked him at the start of the season. I think I did a bit, and I think, and I know I definitely knocked him when he was in 
and even the start of the National League North. And I felt he raised his game last season for that promotion challenge. He massively raised his game under Askey. And I think he's done it again this season. We forget that sometimes, that they're having to, they're having to raise it to the next level. So, yeah, he's, he's a lot better player for us, I feel, than when he came here. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is Dyson's best season in a Yorkshire. I have to genuinely think he's 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 been every game he's added something, and that's more than you can say for, for a lot of them. To be fair, every game Dyson has added something, even if it is just running about and being a nuisance. Dyson, to be fair to him, has added something every game, and that is a, that's a big step up since last season. You know, there, there were times when he struggled last season. We we, we rely, you know, we always talked about how we. We uh, relied on right last season in the middle of the park. Dyson really has stepped up for me this year. But he's still quite a relatively young lad as well, isn't he? I think he must be one of the youngest in the squad. He's reached over 100 games now. He's, he's played for England C. You know, if he added some goals, more goals to his game, I, I think he would be one that people would be looking at. You know, if we're looking at players that, that, that could be assets for York moving forward, I believe he's under contract next season. So, you know, I think, I think Ollie Dyson people will notice that he's got Clubman of the Year and, and all these kind of accolades. So hopefully for York City's sake, he, he can kick on with his career and, and will be the benefactors of that. Yeah, it's a tough it's a tough ask for him as well because like last season, you've got he's got a kill light round him. And this season, he's often had to be like, he's often had to be kind of the main player and the main creator in that midfield. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, totally. And of course, we have mentioned Maz, who for me was the first few months with without a doubt the standout player, Maz Kuya. And I don't know, I don't know why whether he's struggling. I think the pre-season will be interesting with Maz Kuya to see if you know, because obviously then he'll get lots of chances to get back any fitness to be able to get back to his best. Um, because I don't know, I don't know why we're not seeing, but we're clearly not seeing from him what we saw at the start of the season. Um, which is the mo- most assists in the National League. I feel for Maz. I think he's, he, he, had, he did have a good start, but then he never really got going again. And I do think as, I do think as well, he, he set such a high bar when he came in uh, last season that, you know, the, the reality is he, he, he was never going to be able to keep that, that kind of dominating games as he did at the end of last season. Um, keep that up but he had a great start but yeah he just never really got back for me from that injury never, certainly never got it back into his stride um, and I think we, we, we slightly altered the way we played which meant he, he didn't have that freedom and you know you think about the end of last season how many times he would just expose a fullback or get that gap between a fullback and a centre half and he would just make it his own he hasn't really had that opportunity as, as much this season, which I guess to some extent, yeah, we've stepped up and he's got to he's got to step up to make that chance. But yeah, I do feel for him. I don't really feel like he's got back since that injury that he got, um, which has, has kept him out for for large parts of the season. Yeah, sure. Um, the, the the next one, um, the next subject I've got on the list um, is disappointment of the season. Um, I suppose. We've kind of talked about we've talked about kind of the disappointments off the field um, and you know the 
um, for, me, for me, I'd have to say David Webb, I guess, if you if you name a disappointment of the season. Um, but what about in in terms of on the field? There's quite there's quite, I suppose there's quite a few contenders here. The signings we brought in at the start and throughout the season, a lot of them have been questionable. Um, I'm going to start. I'm going to start with you again, Jim. Disappointment of the season. Um, can we look past Ollie Tanner? I mean, the night before he signed for York City, he turned out in the FA Cup and then against the Premier League team. And then since then, we've got like 14 minutes out of him or something ridiculous like that. He's not really played. He's not. He's clearly not delivered enough to be to be starting or playing. Um. Yeah, I was a bit surprised by you giving me the on the field one. I was all, I was all set to give my off the field disappointments, but yeah, on on the field, I think for me in terms of player signing, Oli Tanner's um, well, he's not really delivered, unfortunately. Certainly not when you compare him to someone like Shaq Cord, who's set as a line. And if I swing it, Jim, onto because obviously, I know sometimes it is this fine line you tread between the fans and supporters' trust. If you're talking about off the field disappointments. Talk to us. Um, my off the field disappointment, like it, it's difficult to look past ASCII uh, and and Webb, um, but I'll try to. I think my biggest disappointment is a lack of turnaround, um, certainly in terms of commercial. You know that that we, that was my real hope, and this is an insight into to, to my dual roles. I guess you know we hope for much more I hope for much more activity you know I, I didn't um I what did was not shy about my criticism of, of the previous regime and McGill in terms of it was the the cost challenge was my biggest disappointment so the lack of turnaround I think we're getting there we there are some strides forward but you know I don't think anybody involved is, is shy and saying look we know there's still a long way to go yeah and in terms of just to kind of segue onto the supporters trust in terms of how that shapes up through the summer and going forward, do you have any comments on that? Uh, well, at the moment, with the, the, you know, the sale is is what everybody wants to know about, right? Well, that that sat with Glenn. That it's his him to to uh, to sell the club, and the, the trust will support that in any way they can. And um, there's change coming at the trust. Mike's confirmed publicly that he's he's leaving in. Uh, May, so there's going to be a handover at some point. Well, there'll be a new chairman. We'll have to do an AGM as well. Uh, no doubt that will that will present new people, new new uh, ideas, and new ways forward. Um, I think in terms of how that works with the football club, we've got to we've got to really try to find line. Look, I, I'm not going to pretend. We I think everybody's in the same boat of believing that Ben's time at the football club's come to an end, but. Um, we have to work with him so whilst he finds a new owner. Um, and it, and that's not easy. You know, you've got to find someone with a lot of money to come and buy the football club and then run it at the moment. So um, we'll work with him in any way we can. That's going to be uncomfortable for some fans because I know they'd like us to be a lot more, um, more obstructive. But the reality is the most important thing, and, and as I keep saying, everybody has to remember that whoever's involved, we all have to continue running the football club. So, um, 
you know, that's we have to keep that in mind, and and that's going to be some uncomfortable kind of discussions at some point with fans because we are going to have to back certain things that happen, um, because it might be the best thing for running the football club whilst they find a new owner. Yeah, and no easy solution. Um, can I bring in you, Ben, on on those off the field? Obviously, it has been. Um, it, has been a season with much disappointment throughout it. Um, what's your take, and has that been the biggest disappointment for you? Yeah, um, yeah, in a word, I think it, you, you ask anyone, and it's it's the thing that's kind of let them down. You know, there wasn't many people who seemed upset that McGill left back in the summer. Um, it's just a real shame that what's transpired is well, what's gone on you know it's been very it's been a disaster let's be fair off the pitch um well it, it, the only thing that could have made it worse is administration um which thankfully didn't happen um but it it was close to let's not forget that two months ago the rumors were very strong with what was going on um i mean jim will know more than me about how close that was to happening but it, it did feel like there was a very much when the sports trust had to step up and pay, it was then a case of, well, if they don't get a new owner, will Glenn continue to pay? Or how long will that be paid for? And it was a, becoming a case of the work on the pitch was then going to get ruined by what's happening off it. And I think, yeah, and I agree with Jim as well, like gone up a division, it just seems like everything's stagnated. I mean, there's been some absolutely fantastic things that have happened off the pitch. You know, attendances have significantly increased. Um, those ones in the south stand that make all the noise have been absolutely superb and getting an atmosphere going each game. I think down in the fan zone has been a lot better. You know, the introduction of Brew York and the fact that we now have um, like a live band before the games, it's just really added to the fan event. But then if you look at the actual goings on uh, behind the scenes, uh, I'm surprised people like Jim have got the patience to keep doing it and keep going for it because um, my, my faith is diminishing quickly, very quickly with the off-field stuff. So, yeah, uh, on the pitch, I'd say Gus Mafuta for me is my disappointment of the season. Uh, I just think he came with a bit of a pedigree from Boreham Woods, was meant to be the new kind of Akil right in that middle position. And, uh, yeah, he's just been a disaster, to be honest. I'm sure he's a great guy. I'm sure he has done well in the past, but it just really hasn't worked out well at York. But I'm just going down the list again. There's so many other players you could name. Danny Rowe came with good pedigree, but was totally unfit. Manny Duku, to be fair, is not disappointed because I expected him to be that poor. Luke James has been non-existent. Nathan Thomas seemed to disappear. You know, keep it going. Like Scott Borden disappeared after a month. Even Alex Whittle came with good pedigree and did poorly. Fraser Kerr, you know, didn't have great games. And then remind me who Scott Burgess is again. Why is he our number 10? Like, what, what an absolute dire set of players that we signed in the summer. Oh, anyway. Yeah. Um, Dan? Well, you know, you haven't left me any players left. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was just going to say Danny Rowe, yeah, for me, um, just just because of his his pedigree before, I, I, you know, I, I, you know, at Fylde he, he scored bucket loads of goals, didn't he? And 
I appreciate he was in his 30s and stuff like that. But even at Chesterfield, I think he still sort of 10 goals in 21 appearances. So, you know, one and two, it's, it's a good record. All right, he's not played a lot of games, but if we can get him fit, he might get the goals that are going to see us clear and go on a bit of a run like Gateshead. And he just didn't, didn't look fit at all, did he? And, and I think, to be fair, I think, you know, Mikey sort of tried to defend him, didn't he? He said that a lot of balls were sort of played over his head. And, and really, he's a player that, that needs it at his feet. But then I, I don't think he played again after that. So I, I think behind the scenes, they must have kind of, you know, realised. And I think that was, to be fair to the management team, that they, they kind of cut their losses with Danny Rowe as well. They didn't sort of persist with him. He wasn't fit. It wasn't working out. And I think fair play to kind of taking him out the firing line, really, because we couldn't. We, we were playing with 10 men, I felt like, at times, with, with Danny Rowe leading the line. Um Biggest disappointment for me, though, is the finances, really. You keep hearing about how, you know, the, the figures are, are not going to be great going forward and, you know, we're hemorrhaging money. But I look at the crowds, the crowds have been unbelievable. Um, you know, they've been sort of four and a half, five thousand on a regular basis. You know, centenary year, they must have shifted a lot of shirts. I don't believe we're paying any rent on the stadium. So kind of if we're not making any money now and we're going to have a reduced budget next season, when the hell are we going to make any money? Jim, you've got your hand up there. I, pres- I presume you're going to dispute what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, so, yeah, so a couple of things there. So we aren't paying rent, but we have to pay this facilities fee for the increased uh, stadium. And then I, I always find it quite funny, the, the, the argument of, oh, we're getting more people in, da, da, da. Yeah, we are. We are, and that's great. And, and you know, ex-City fans have turned up in their numbers at an incredible time. We were losing a million pounds a year, a million pounds a year, a thousand people on the on the on the gate ain't ain't changing that. A million pounds a year is filling that stadium every week and commercial activity. So is that million pounds a year, but not based historically on Jason McGill having a massive squad, like when Gary Mills had but, but, 2012 but, and it was but 40, Jason McGill had a squad. Jason McGill set ASCII's. This is this is all covered last summer. Jason McGill set ASCII's budget before we before they took over, and Glenn and Sports Trust committed to delivering that for the whole season. Yeah. It then transpired that the budget, which again this is all, all Alistair's gone through this in detail with with Dave Ward on it, the budget was way out. So them saying, "Oh, you need four and a half thousand, their ticket pricing was all over the place. So. I, I get fans' frustration with it, and, and trust me, I, I am just as frustrated with it, but the, the deficit we were in before was massive, absolutely massive, ridiculous. That's why everybody celebrated when he left. Let's be honest, that's why we were all protesting at the beginning of last season. That a million quid a year is, is not, you know, it's not five, six hundred more on the gate. It, it's going to be so much money yeah. and I know that's sorry to, I know yeah. it's hard to say but it, it is that you know if if we're going to have a sustainable football club and make it sure it's here for another 100 years we have to have some hard truths around look we've overspent for years overspent for years and either we have to decide look we're not going to work we're, we're going to continue to overspend and we're going to find an owner that's just prepared to plow money in and take the, the risk that all that comes with and we all know what the risk is you know we, we've we've we all saw it nearly again this year. We all saw it when back in the days when the sports just started. 
I don't really want that. I don't want that risk hanging over my football club. I want something how, sustainable. How do, now. how do other clubs? How are other clubs sustainable then? How how are Akron and Stanley well, in whatever league they're in? How are Burton Albion in League One who are smaller clubs and those get smaller crowds? But how yeah. does that work then? Well, so that's where my biggest disappointment is, is a lack of commercial turnaround. There's loads of commercial opportunities that we need to take advantage of. We need to connect far more with the with the community to get our gates up even more. But fundamentally, we have to be a heck of a lot smarter about spending our playing budget. I mean, Ben's just made, named three quarters of the squad that he doesn't think is good enough. They're all being paid wages. They, you know, we've got to be practical about our expectations for what we want. My, and, I, and I know some people's views for differ. I know there's plenty of people out there that would love for someone that just come in and just put our money in. That, that's fine. They want that. I understand the attraction of it. It's not my personal attraction. I think we've got to be smarter about the way we put our squads together. But, and this, and again, I come back to it, we have to be better commercially and we have to make sure that, you know, it, it's the fact that Glenn lied. Everything in football is about money, right? So, and fundamentally, you've got to be bringing money in the, in, the, in the door. Every bit of sponsorship has to be sold. Every bit of hospitality has to be sold. And, and not just that, it has to be sold to the highest bidder. Like, we've got to get, we will go through the cycle again, I'm sure, this season of the cost of anything at the club, cost of hospitality, cost of all this, cost of sponsorship. We undersell everything. I looked into the whole league this season around what they sell sponsorship at, what they sell hospitality at. Pure and simple, we're not expensive enough. We didn't have any of that though before, did we? So, so say, say the, um, the last home game, the club must have been making over £100,000 for that one game with it when with all the gate receipts and the um, refreshments and all that sort of stuff. Have it not? Well, I don't, know the, I don't know the exact numbers by game. We're not making, we're not making anywhere near enough money. That's the simple right. fact of it. And, and, and the bit that we've got to get past as a, fan, as a fan base is, it's not just that we're not making enough money, but we have a huge deficit to make up on what we were doing before. It's you know it's like if we were at zero before and then we're making more money, great. But we we've, we've we've got a huge amount to make up to to make sure the the club can can function itself, right? Yeah, I I think the point about wanting you know I, I see people trying to copy in Ryan Reynolds and see if he's got a cousin who who might want to buy your <laughs> see. I, I don't you know I think those sort of things are pipe dreams. Like you, you might get lucky and and we all hope that we all think York City is fantastic, so we want someone to come in and. And take it on like 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 a Wrexham have and, and have all those dreams of going right through the league. But I think for me, I, I just want us to be a sustainable football club who are in the football league. Like that's what I grew up supporting. You know, beating Cardiff at home, beating Huddersfield, beating Birmingham, and, and the likes of us big clubs and competing with them week in week out. And um, and I don't think that is. I don't think you need to spend bucket loads of money to get that either. And I just think the crowds now, the reason I say about the crowds and I keep going back to that is because these crowds are miles better than the ones I was watching when I was watching yeah. Paul Barnes and John McCarthy. That, that's why yeah, yeah. I'm not a counter, I can't, you know, and I, I can't work in that sort of way. But in layman's terms, I'm sort of thinking, what, why is it that we're, we're getting all these people through the door now? Because I don't think they'll, they might not be there forever. Um, you know, a lot of these are young kids as well Which... in the South Stand that Ben mentions. I remember loads of young kids going when I was yeah. a young kid. They don't still go now. You know what I mean? Like we need yeah, to, yeah. to keep these kids interested, keep these people, um, you know, as part of this community, and and hopefully they will. 
Yeah, and, and, and don't get me wrong, I, I completely believe there's a sustainable model in there and the crowds will be a huge part of that. But it's got to be from both angles. We've, we, we know we've, it, it, we're not starting from zero. We've got to get it back to having structure on both ends. We need a, we need a full and proper wage structure. With you, know, you look at someone like team like Accrington, say, they have players who have been a top band, middle band, they'll have bands within that, all that sort of stuff. I don't know. I don't know, but I don't reckon we do have that. And we've got, we have got a decent-sized squad. And similarly, we don't do enough with making sure that it isn't just... Unfortunately, it isn't just people spending their tickets on a, on a, on a Saturday. They need to be spending their tickets on a Saturday. They need to be buying the kit in the shop. They need to be buying into sponsorship. They need to be doing anything like that because that's what makes the club then have a budget that it can comfortably sustain itself if it's then being smart, spent smartly as well, which is all of that needs to change but it doesn't change and it's never it was never going to change in a season. What we've got to hope is that going forward, you get that approach of you bring in as much in as you can and you then spend in it smartly. And 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 that's always going to be a challenge. That's a challenge at every football club, but that will take time to get that 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 handle on it, right? And it, it yeah, it's one of my bugbears. I'm afraid, I'm afraid Dan, you've got a bit of a bit of a double barrel there. My my bugbear is that we were so far behind that sustainable model. That an improvement in crowds, as great as it has been, was never going to cut that. Was never going to cover that deficit, and that's the bit where it's like, yeah, it's lovely, but it's been burned so badly for so long. You've got, to, we've got to change everything else to fit just to one, that, one that final, great thing. Just one final thing on it, Jim, before we move on. So, I often hear this about the rent. So we don't pay rent, but then there's this other thing that we're paying. So. We're, so, and again, though, that yes. must be less than if you're a club who is paying rent to a stadium, isn't it? So I, I can't remember the figures. It was put out earlier in the season. They put it out earlier in the season. I think Glenn released it in that famous uh, radio interview. Off the top of my head, though, so we don't have, we don't pay a rent, but we pay a facilities fee, which was based on an increase in um capacity right so the football club wanted a bigger capacity mm. than the council wanted to build so we pay a certain amount for the next 10 years i'm pretty sure it is at least five figures if not six figures it's basically rent right and and if crowds are over a certain level or we're in a higher division and league that goes that that moves and changes up so that we do really pay rent and it's a little bit movable to to cover but then if, we, if we play, if we play the likes of Wrexham and Oldham and Scunford who, who pack that out, then don't we make that money back the deficit? Do you know, do you know what I'm saying? Because we might be paying a little we, bit more because we've we got an increased capacity, but that increased yeah, capacity I would can just, be filled, can't it? Yeah, I don't. So I, I don't know the ins and outs of that contract, but there's a, it's definitely a difference if the crowds go up over a certain level. And if the uh, and if we if we move through leagues, that is that is presumably the principle of why the contract was put in places that we'll right. be earning more, and therefore we could pay a bit more. But but the 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 concept that we don't pay in a rent is effectively just not true because we do we just play it pay it under a different name that allows certain differences in in financing. I don't really get it, but it allows certain differences. But the, the key bit is it's still there. We still have to pay it every year. That you know, that's been one of the things that we've had to to find the money for is that that's got to be paid. We've got we've got to pay that fee to the council. Um, the the keeping the stadium. 
Fair enough. But Paul, you probably should jump in and move. It's all right. <laughs> no, I'm enjoying it because it's enlightening. And I've always, it's always surprised me that the default position of a club in the National League is to be making a loss. So when you've got, and, and people always think, well, like, oh, there must be someone, there must be so many people who want to come in and, and own this wonderful football club. And yeah, it's it's a great thing, but they there has to be, they have to be pumping in money from another source or there has to be some extra way else that default position is a loss. And I mean, for me now, coming up to the close season, I would settle for having virtually no budget as long as we can get some kind of stability, some kind of ownership that we won't fall into any traps. I mean, you look at it, other clubs have still got transfer embargoes. You've got, you know, we've obviously had the threat of administration points deduction. If we can get settled owners and things settled behind the scenes, um, you know, I think it's it's a reasonable to not think that we will be able to get a sizable budget for a closed season. But that's um, that's just my thoughts. Talking of um, budgets and people staying or people going, so we've got. We've got some contracted players, which may be true business for having tied these down a few months ago. So we've got midfield Pybus, correct me if I'm wrong on these, Pybus, Dyson, Hancock, Kuyar, um, I think committed, um, Cook certainly, Sanders, Whitley. Um, if I come to you first, Ben, um, the retained list must be, I guess it must be out this week. Who would you keep? Who would you release? Um, I'm not sure we've got enough time to go through who I'd release because I think it'd go on for quite a bit. But um, I, it, it, it's really hard to tell. It, I think the biggest thing we need to decide first is, is Mikey Morton going to be our manager next season or not? Because I think one of the big issues with recruitment last season was because the playoff final was so, so late all the good players have been snapped up or all, all the like, free agents had already been snapped up quite quickly in that previous month, which then in it, we ended up, I think, you know, Scott Bowden was one of our first signings in June and then the rest are all later June. So we need to almost decide, is it going to be Mikey Morton or is it going to be someone else? Because whoever it is, we need to give them as much time as possible to recruit players they want. Um, I think the ones he's kept, I think Jim described it earlier, uh, they're not going to set the world alight in the league, but they're not going to shirk away either. And I think that it's going to be really strong uh, with that. Um, and I think, you know, it, it's kind of almost middling mid-table kind of players we've signed there. So, I, I mean, given what the off-season looks like it currently could be, I'm just happy we're staying up again next season at this rate. Um, but then I'm looking at, you know, it, it's really tough because, I mean, what's been missing there a lot is the defence. I think that's been so unsettled this year um, that we need a defence that's going to be there, ready to go. And I think Duckworth and Fallowfield are both great players, but you can't keep both of them, I feel now. I feel like they're both a bit too injury prone. I feel like you've got to go one or the other at this stage now. I think Paddy McLaughlin, almost time to sort of go, yeah, you've done all right for us, Paddy time for you to step back a little bit now and let someone else take charge um, I, I, Wickle's a tough one because I don't think he's good enough I don't think he has been good enough this season 
but is there better? Um, I'd willing to risk it and go yes, um, but that's why I'm torn on. And then Mark Ellis, I think he's done all right since he's come in, so I'd probably offer him a one-year deal. There's not a lot else that I'd really keep, to be honest. You know, I think Ethan Ross I'd probably send back, even though he did all right at the start of the season. Whitley I'd probably keep now, but would you give him his number one still? I mean, he did really well against Notts County on Saturday. It's one of the best individual performances from a goalkeeper at York City I've seen in a long, long time. However, the previous games before that, he was very shaky. Probably didn't help how he had a shaky defence. So, yeah, and I think he's only really Adam Crooks, the other one I'd keep. The rest, you know, I'll, I'll happily drive him down the A64 either way. So, it is a, You raise a good point as well, because it's like, it's before not kind of thinking about who we retain, it's a case of, well, thinking what calibre of players are we able to get in? And I think, it, like you said, it's about, about getting active quickly because the teams that tend to be, I found this in the past, the teams that tend to be involved more early on then become more attractive for other players like as the summer months go by. So I'm kind of hoping that as well. I'm hoping that we can start, it's getting everything settled, isn't it? Getting the manager settled, getting our, what what is our, Close season tactic. What kind of players do we want to sign? Um, Dan, you want to come in? Yeah, I was just I was just saying it'll be a, a minibus that better off to hire. I think to drive those people <clears throat> down down the motorway. Um, yeah, I, I similar thoughts to, to Ben. Really, um, I think it, it's difficult to attract, isn't it? When the manager doesn't know whether he's coming or going. You know, I, I think they've got to make some sort of decision, and um, whether people want. Mikey Morton long term or short term, it, it doesn't really matter. We need we need someone to be permanently in charge because otherwise players are going to say, well, why am I going to sign for York City when there's so much upheaval going on? Well, there's so much uncertainty. And if they, you know, if you were a player, they they only get one year contracts, don't they? And if you were looking at it thinking, well, a few months ago they were talking about not getting paid, it's not really an attractive proposition, is it? It's, it's going to be difficult to attract people in terms of return list. I, I, I think it de- depends, doesn't it? You know, people like Paddy, uh, Scott Barrow, they're sort of forming part of a coaching team at the minute, aren't they? And, and maybe giving them a, a contract where where it's kind of coaching and, and, and playing might be a decent compromise because, you know, whilst Paddy might not be the player he was in 2012, he, he'd still be a good player to have about the squad, I would have thought. Still can come in and do a job. He had some good games towards the end of the season. You know, he chips in with an odd goal. Maybe maybe we could get another year out of him and, and like I say, combine it with the coaching. I'm sure he's got the respect of the players. Um, and um, it's difficult with Duckworth, I think, because he is a really good player. I think there's some games where, where you think, you know, he's, he's a really good leader. He, he's, he's, you know, really skillful for a right-back as well. He, you know, he can sort of pirouette on the ball and, and, and I think he's a good player. But I, I think someone said the other day he's only played 48 games in three seasons, which... It's not his fault, but he just keeps breaking down, doesn't he? It's so frustrating for him. He's he's now in his thirties. Are you? Do you be ruthless, or do you think no? Because if we can get him fit for the full season, he is a real asset. Then you're obviously dying to, to dispute something I've said. Go on. It was just on the McLaughlin and Barrow point. I mean, McLaughlin's been on a contract now. Pele, a coach, hasn't he? Was two or three seasons. I think it's now time for him to hang up his boots to be honest and go full coaching with us or get rigs I feel like he's then taking up a wage 
that we could bring in another player for. And I feel if it gets to an emergency situation where we need him, we could get him on a quick contract, almost a pay as you play, right, get going. But I, I wouldn't be on that side of coaching. I think, I think I'm, I'm thinking of it, Ben, and I agree wholeheartedly with what you're saying. I'm thinking if it's a really reduced budget and there's not a lot of that money to go around, and and they they kind of and they've not got a, the coaching staff are still kind of whoever Mikey wants to bring in, and there's not a lot of money to to kind of have a coaching team. And maybe that is a way of doing it. But like you say, they're paying as you're playing or whatever. You know, maybe that is suitable for someone like Michael Douglas. And I really hope that that he he he, he can get back fit because he is a really good player. But it's just it depends how ruthless you are and what the budget is available. I fail a bit to see that we've seen him as a midfielder and a sports scientist. I think we've, we've seen him as a midfielder again. You know, we, we said when he came back last year, yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a great signing on the dual contract. He's a great signing on the dual contract. We can pop him in when we've got a few injuries or we, we pop him in when, we're des- when, when we need an extra player. And the reality is he's played the last five games. And, you know, we, we, we've ended up relying on him, right? And, and, I, and I'd... I'd yeah, I, I would have happy gladly have him on a dual contract, but I'll be disappointed if we're going into a season relying on him again, because we shouldn't be doing that. And that and that's I don't and I and I you know if he's on a dual contract, I don't think Paddy's there to be relied on week in week out. He's he's wanting to spray his wings into into other areas. And I, I think going back to one that that Ben mentioned, I think Whitley's a really interesting one. We kind of said it at the end of the. Last season, at what point does a club either take a punt or or say no? Um, I think what I, I disagree with Ben slightly that I think he was shaky when he first came in, but the last sort of four or five games he's he's, he's begun to look a lot better. And what we have seen is that playing kind of what he's nearly played ten games or anything in a row now, something like that. certainly a lot. Stephen Russell's been out for a lot longer than anybody would have wanted. And um, what we have seen is he's got better and better as he's settled in. Um, and, and yeah, I, I I just think we again we need to start beginning to think about you know do we um, do we take a punt and say yeah he's going to be our number one or do you get you know a, a, a number one in? Um, if he's not so, number yeah, I mean, one he now, would... he's never going to be number one. Yeah, I mean he's exactly. had his run now. He's been out on loan at Scarborough for a couple of years. He's done really well he by was... all accounts. And I think he's done well in this situation. I mean, you know, not County one, you know, he's got shots fired in him. He's had a great game. Um, you know, and I know some people criticise his kicking and stuff like that. I, I, I think there, there has been occasions where, like the Halifax game, I think he sort of came out of his goal and missed it, didn't he? And the play went around him and we kind of got away with it. But again, I think like Ben says, it, it's a shaky defence in front of him. We, we, we barely keep clean sheets. That second half yeah. of the season, I can't remember many clean sheets, but I, I think we're right. I think if he's not going to be number one at the start of next season, I just think he's never, ever going to be number one and he kind of needs to be, mm. you know, for what his own career, he needs to move on. But, yeah. but I, I, think I, that, actually, like... I actually think he's, he's good enough to be number one. I think now's the time to, to kind of yeah. put, put faith in him. You know, he's he's bad at his time. He's got experience now. He's, he's a good age. So, you know, and he's played a lot of games towards the end of the season. This will do his... His confidence really good, but I also noticed today that Pete Jameson. There was a few rumours about him and coming back. I don't know whether that was just a, a comment on Twitter, but but you know, I I wasn't sure how I felt about that. I mean, Pete Pete was a fantastic goalkeeper, wasn't he for York? But 
he kind of moved on and and yeah, I don't. It's a tricky one, isn't it? Really, because we kind of all wanted him to stay, he chose to to move on, and do we do we go back? But that, having said that, he he was a great goalkeeper for us. Yeah, he was class for us. He was class. I, I think. I think I'd be up for giving Ryan a go. I, honestly, I think it, I, I, Ben nicked my line earlier, but fortunately I tweeted it this morning. I think the, the North County game is, is the best goalkeeping performance I can think of at sea watching someone in the Yorkshire. There was there was six, if not seven, saves where they were unreal. He, he, you know, he shouldn't have got to him. I, I can't think of a, a game where he, they had so much to do. Um, and I, I think I think he's done enough. And I think, I, you know... He's one of our own, all that sort of stuff. At some point, you have to give him a go. Um, and I also think goalkeeper is probably one of the few positions around where there's enough about that if you got 10 games in and we were struggling, you could probably find someone. And I mean, Ethan Ross is on loan at the minute, isn't he? I, I feel like you could find someone. There's enough good goalkeepers around at this level that you can you can probably find someone. But when, when um, ben, Ben's saying about, you know, getting a wage to bring another player in, I think with Ryan, you know, he's there on a two-year contract. Put the faith yeah. in him, you know, have Campbell yeah. on the bench. And then that is a freed at wage because we, we mm. don't really need to go scouting for another goalkeeper, you know, because Ryan's proven, we, you know, and also not, not just the not scouting game, the Scunthorpe game at home. You know, had mm-hmm. we lost that game, you know, it was Ryan who, who kind of kept us in it, wasn't it, at times. Mm-hmm. And, and I just think he's proven that, that, he, that he is capable of, of stepping up to this level. And yeah. um you mentioned Jamer. Like, if you brought Jameson back, like, do you want Jameson or do you want another striker? Because Jameson's going to come in and he's not going to want, you know, National League North, National League wages. He's going to want league wages. So what you you know you take if if you bring Jameson in, you're taking away from somewhere on somewhere else on the pitch because he will because his wages are going to be that amount of money because he's going to want that much and. You know, I think when we look up top, you know, Shaq's not going to be back. I don't think, I think we've seen the last of Shaq in the Yorkshire. Cause I, I think he'll go, if, if Watford don't keep him at, at home, they'll move him into a League One or a League Two side, I would imagine. Um, there's the question over John Lewis. I've seen a few few people debating that today. I, I think I would keep John Lewis. I think, I, I think on uh, the stuff he does off the pitch, and I think... I don't imagine we're going to ch- significantly change the way we play enough to not have him around. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would be concerned if we go and you know put a big wage into a keeper because I think I think we could spend it elsewhere. We need a midfielder, we need a defender, and we probably need a striker. So I, I'd rather back Ryan and and, and move that cash into to elsewhere in the fit on the pitch. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Because I was I was one of Ryan's probably biggest critics before the county game it's like how can one game like change your opinion of um but i also think it's it's funny because i think they must between ross and whitley they must know because they've been trained together all season probably most of the players know which is the which is the better keeper yeah um but yeah moving it on um so i want to move it on because we can't we kind of touched on obviously the plans going forward in terms of season signings or whatever depends on the manager um i know um ben and dan you touched on the future dan what for you mikey morton stay or go i, I think mikey morton has to be there in some capacity 
as a as a bare minimum. I mean, I think I think that thankfully he was there when when all this kind of when David Webb left, he's 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 carried himself really well. Um, I think there's been games where he's got things wrong, but I think always with his interviews, even the Torquay game when he he got a little bit of stick for dropping Michael Duckworth. I, th- I think I know it's why he wasn't at that game, was he? But there was one game where. He admitted he'd got it wrong, and he sort of said what he was trying to do, and you sort of thought, well, yeah, I can sort of see that. And and I think but the you know, it's, it's decision time now, though, is it's we you know he's had this time where he can kind of be this half manager, but now it's either either he takes um, a back seat again, or or I, I he's think, a new I think manager. A lot of it depends with the ownership, though, doesn't it? Because whoever takes over the club, and hopefully someone does take over the club you would have thought they would have their own ideas of who they want as manager. Um, and that happens at all, you know, what, regardless of Mikey Morton, whoever is at a club, they might have an idea of who they want. And I guess you could argue that's what Glenn Henderson did. He, he clearly didn't see John as the long-term kind of future as, as being his, his manager. So I think a lot of it depends on that. Whilst there's a lot of upheaval and a lot of uncertainty off the pitch, I think Mikey being there to steady the ship over the summer um, I think he's got the club at heart. Um, I, 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 can't, I can't at the minute see past him, but only because I don't know what he's going on off the pitch. If I knew there was someone else coming in, I do. I, I would prefer us to have a lot more kind of experienced, proven manager at the level, um, which I think we might well need. You know, Mikey Morton with a reduced budget. And, and I think sometimes the reading between the lines, it's obviously really tough what Mikey's been asked to do. You know, he's speaking to Glenn, he's speaking to Sports Trust, he's, Really caught in the middle of all of it, and um, yeah, it's, it's a tricky one. I, I really don't know what what the answer is. But Ben, did you want to come in here? Yeah, I think I think the thing for me is that's really interesting is the last couple of games, Mikey's come out and sort of gone, "This isn't how I want to play." Like it's not been an attractive style of football. He's essentially come in and done a job, and I think that's that. That for me is interesting how he would set us up and. I think for me personally, um, I'd probably, I, I hope we can look elsewhere. But if he is still here in the summer, um, I, I wouldn't be against it. Um, but I'd like, I'd be really interested to know how he is wanting us to play. Um, and I'd also be really interested to know like what is his contacts like. Um, like that's not in a negative kind of aspect at all, because I genuinely don't know what's his contacts like within the game. Who could he bring in? You know, I'd be interested to see who he could bring over the summer. Um, because I think he he has done the job, um, and I think he is tactically astute. I think he's really, you know, a, a good. He's been perfect for this situation of just getting enough results to keep us up after the absolute shambolic mess that we had under David Webb. Um, I think he's done a real good job of getting the best out of some of the players, not loads, but some of them. He's managed to get them to. Um, I, I think Ben, like I, I, I feel like. It needs an experienced head somewhere on that coaching staff. I mean, Tony yeah. McMahon, really good player for Middlesbrough when he, when he was coming through the ranks and stuff like that, really suffered with injuries. But I think he, he obviously commands a lot of respect in dressing room. It's his first proper coaching. I think he might have done a little bit of scumport before, but he's he's still relatively young. You've got Paddy there. You've got Scott Barrow. Never coached anywhere. Mikey already's done Taddy Albion and, and some stuff for Leeds United, but it, for me, it needs like some sort of if he's going to be the long term successor, it, it needs someone almost above him, a little bit like Steve Burr, I think, at Hereford, 
No, I was, was, was quite quite young and it was his first job. But Steve Burr was, you know, used to manage Kidderminster and a few other teams, Northwich Victoria. Really good for the level, experienced, someone to oversee it and, and just to sort of help out. And just like you say, might, might have some contacts, might might know what to do when things aren't going so well. And I totally agree with you there because I feel like I feel like he does bring something to the club uh, on the coaching side, most definitely. And I think you know he clearly is. You know, it's not David Webb. And I think that's the best way I can describe it. You know, he's not, he knows what he's doing um, or knows what he wants to do. And I think that's really important because I always felt under like Steve Watson, we always liked to plan. I couldn't tell what Steve Watson was trying to do, whereas at least, you know, it, he's come in and sort of said that. But I feel like if we don't stick with him, we definitely need him somewhere on the coaching side. I'd quite like to see him. Um, but I definitely think. Yeah, personally, I think we should look elsewhere first. What, what I would hate to happen is for, for, for us to have have this reduced budget, all this care's going on, not be able to attract decent players, get off to a poor start, and him start getting pelters. I think that he deserves yeah. far more than that. You know, and that, that's my worry going forward, that I don't want him to feel... What, however he leaves this football club, whenever it is, he needs to leave with his head held high and, and, and kind of with credit in the bank, because I, I think that He's he's been asked to, to sort of take on a thankless task, really, you know, and I think he's he's done it pretty well because I, I thought at one point we we were going back down to National League North and that would have been a an absolute disaster. This pod would have been completely different, a lot more swearing. <laughs> I'm sure Debo would have made it on, you know. So I think I think he deserves to be part of the club, but I feel like you know I I just hope that he isn't put in a uncompromising position going forward. Yeah, and he is the guy that essentially has kept us up. Um, which brings us on to, I guess, the, the highlights of the season, of which there has there has been many, particularly kind of away days, away experiences, and obviously the fans, which has just, it just continually surprised me. Because I remember... Booth and Crescent, we, it, we used, the average used to be 2,300. And even to get a rise of, say, an extra 100 fans on average would be such a tall order to get. And so we're now getting, I think like you alluded to, Dan, the, the best crowd since the early 90s, right? Um, three, and I, this is absolutely staggering that we could take so many to Notts County for a game when you could argue we, we were already pretty much safe. Um, and not only that, it's it's just transformed the games, and it's just you know, it's for me that is our selling point right now. And if we're trying, if we're trying to attract players, if we're trying to attract anyone to this club, I think the club should do everything they can to just share as many videos, as much media, um, as much publicity of the fans, because that is what sets us apart from many 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 of the other teams in this yeah. division I think that's been you know so there's been so there, there has been a lot of highlights and I think all the highlights for me all the highlights of this season have involved part of it has been because of the fans reaction um, so I'm going to come to each of you for a highlight of the season um, I'll start with you Jim give us your highlight of 2022-23 um, I, th- I think the the big thing has to be the the 
you've just mentioned it. I mean, the fans have been incredible. I mean, just look at the look at the last five away games. What fourteen hundred at County? I refuse to believe there was less than six hundred of us at Torquay. Thousand at Chester. Thousand at Wrexham. Unbelievable. Um, and, and those away days at the final final gas away days, Torquay away will last long in the memory to anybody that went. I think um, there wasn't a pub, restaurant, shop you could go in without seeing a City fan. It's a shame about the result, but we had an incredible weekend. Um, and similarly with County this weekend as well. And and, and you know we got we got we got a better result there. So so yeah, just just. Just the craziness of how everybody keeps turning up. That is the biggest highlight for me. I think we can't get I can't get past it. I can't get over. Um, you know, if we could if the club could just get everything right, it, you know, Christ, it could fly, couldn't it? A greatest asset. Ben, give us a highlight of the season for you. Uh Jim's right, Torquay was an absolutely incredible weekend. I thought the unity from just all fans that happened to be down there was unbelievable. Uh, there was no egos whatsoever. Everyone just had a great time. But I'm going to go for Chesterfield away, I think, as my highlight. I just thought, despite missing two goals, because I was too busy on the concourse, it was just, it was it was that day that we felt that we were staying up. And obviously, Torquay decided to keep winning, which made it even more stressful. However, I think that's the one game where it was, we hadn't beaten them away since 1992. Um, I think it was 17 attempts or something like that. So to finally do that in such a crucial time of the season, to win comfortably by the end as well, with you know everyone getting behind the team, I think that for me was just an unbelievable away day. Um, but yeah, a big shout out to Torquay and a big shout out to Notts County at the weekend as well. I think it, we said at the start of the season there's going to be some fantastic away games towards the end of the season. Um, and I think that really has proved true because I think, you know, even Wrexham away, fantastic support. We've had about four or five towards the back end that have just been unbelievable. So, yeah, I am. I'm going to go with Chesterfield, but there's just a couple of little nominations there as well. Yeah, it all makes me feel so grateful that we stayed up. Dan, highlight of the season? Yeah, it's, it's funny this because we, we discussed this on, I don't know if you remember this, Paul, on the way to Wrexham in the car didn't we? <laughs> I, asked you, I asked you what your highlight was. And at that point, you said, I really enjoyed the Chesterfield home game. And I, I couldn't remember it. I was like, what? I'm going to give you, I'm gonna give you a reason <laughs> as to why I said that. And again, that was the fans. That was the best. Because bear in oh, mind, okay. that the first half of the season, right? That I mean, okay, it was a one-all draw. Um, but it was the, just the reaction of the fans and the fact that there was like so many inside that stadium. It just felt like this is the level we're at now. You know, we've we've earned, we've had those five years of trauma and uh, trouble in the National League North. And um, yeah, and also I think probably because that was one of the last highlights before things started getting a bit messier. <laughs> just well, just well, to back that, myself up. That, the Chesterfield draw wasn't mine, but, but I think for me... Um... On a personal note, obviously, I think most people know I had obviously personal issues last year and I wasn't compensating for about six months. And um, to come back and compensate with you, Paul, was, was probably my highlight because I, I wasn't quite sure I was ever going to do it again. Um, 
and that was sort of the end of August, and it was York City nil, Eastleigh one, and it just felt like, you know, <laughs> just back back to normal. We were commentating on a one nil home defeat. Just just felt <laughs> quite quite like I'd never been away really, and just just kind of like the, the support that that kind of yourself was giving me, and and being back commentating together, and then obviously later on in the season we were asked to do the National League. Uh, commentating, which which was obviously for us as a as a duo who's been doing it for ten over ten years, it was quite nice to be asked by the club to do that, and um, so that that was a, a highlight. But yeah, um, that that was mine. Oh, thanks, Dan. It's just a, it's it's great to have you back, and everything like you've done for the radio station um, and the whole York Hospital boys is just so is just so fantastic for the charity. Um, and I know that, um, like the, the live events, um, which obviously we, we missed you so much at the last one, but um, there's talk of another live event. Is this happening? Yeah, well, it's sort of I'm trying to combine like a live event with a, a quiz night, so it's just in the sort of early stages of, of doing that. Um, just something to try to get um, some of the Oxford community together over over the summer because obviously you, you meet up with everyone week in week out and going to the football but then obviously there's this big break isn't there and uh, unless you kind of got a pre-season games it can be you know almost three months can't it until the next sort of set of fixtures come around so it was just sort of something like that we're probably going to do it free tickets as well just just get people together do you know spot the radio station a little bit and hoping to get a couple of guests to come along and do a bit of a live podcast as well so um, if people are looking for dates in the diary it's looking like Sunday the 25th of June um, so if you're around then that that would be great to come along and support. Yeah, the community events are always fantastic, aren't they? I think just on what you said earlier, Dan, I always remember when I was like um teenager and one of my mates went through a bad time and he he said to me, he says, No matter what happens in your life, football is always there. And it is, you know, football is all it's always a consistent. Um and I do I do think that we have one of the best like community bases there's so many like um just really great great people involved and uh yeah um just i, I think it's it's be good to have some kind of event in in the close season would be fantastic um we've covered the highs we've covered the lows it's been good to um get back and do the crux of it i'm sure we'll be here again for the crux of it when we've made possibly dubious signings who knows what the summer's twists and turns are going to be, but I'm sure we'll be back to preview the next um, season. Um, thanks, lads. Um, we've missed uh, Debo, um, but at least we don't have to do any uh, the editing that happens now. At least we don't have to do much editing, I guess. <laughs> Particularly with whatever Debo's um, word to sum up the season would have been. Um, yeah, so from all of us, until next time, from the crux of it, take care.